Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. We'll get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. for the possible win. Snap, spot, kick away, high enough, long enough. It's good! It's good! Carolina has won the game on a 42-yard field goal by freshman Hunter Burr. Good gosh, dirty. This is the Heel Tough Blog Hey guys, and welcome into this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's Anthony Pagnata back with you guys, as always, and we're back to our regular weekly schedule for the podcast. Josh Marlowe is with me, and today we will be recapping the... I, I don't know how to describe what kind of loss this is. Unfortunate, gut-wrenching, damning. Uh, it's it's a very it's a very tough loss to Appalachian State at home, 34-31, the final score. Um, and and let's be let's be really honest. Uh, App State did everything that they had to do. The, the Toriels were lucky to even be in this game in the fourth quarter with how it was looking early on. I mean, they got down by 17, had to come all the way back just to have a chance at the end. And the field goal attempt from 56 yards away was blocked. Noah Ruggles. Uh, you know, we, we kind of knew coming into the season there would be a little bit of inconsistencies. Uh, his field goal attempt blocked, and Carolina, unfortunately, uh, drops the 2-2 two and two on the season. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be recapping that, and then, of course, we will hit on some of the other recruiting storylines just really quickly at the end of the podcast. But uh, when you look at this loss for Carolina, uh, it, it's – to me, it's a weird, it's a weird loss because at this point, you know, when people ask me what is this Tario football team, I, I don't know if this is where you're at. I, I'm just inclined to say honestly, I really don't know. Um, this team is two and two. I think some people thought we would be here, but maybe in a lot different fashion than we were. I think most people before the season would have said, okay, we're two and two, so we lost to South Carolina and Miami. And then rebound with rebounded with wins over Wake Forest and App State, right? No, it's the other way around. You beat South Carolina and Miami, two teams that people thought at one point in the season probably could get up into the top 25. Many thought Miami was probably the biggest challenger to Virginia in the ACC Coastal. That's not turning out to be right. South Carolina also... Looking like Will Muschamp's probably not going to be there after season's end if the fan base has their way. Um, and then Wake Forest, 
looking like, you know, a totally different team than we thought in the preseason. I mean, we thought, okay, they might continue trending in the right direction. Team's still undefeated right now. Um, they're throwing the football just about as good as anybody in the country, and then App State comes in, completes the upset of Carolina. They're now 3-0, and and all of a sudden, if they can find a way to upset South Carolina this week on the road, they could be 4-0 and staring down a potential undefeated regular season. So, um, I, I, you know, where do you sit on this Tar Heel football team after four games? Because at this point, I, I just... I don't think we know a whole lot about him, maybe outside of the fact that Sam Howell's our quarterback going forward. I think what we we take away from the first month is we've still got a way to go. Right. Um, there's glimpses that this is it's this thing is headed in the right direction. You don't beat South Carolina Miami by accident. Mm -hmm. But it lose. wasn't the quick fix that everybody no. all of a sudden thought was happening after the South yeah, Carolina the, Miami games. The whole quick fix thing is off the field with everything that's happened off the field, which right. we kind of expected that when we hired Mac Brown. That's one of the reasons why he got the job was to fix some stuff off the field. On the field, we expected it to take some time. Um, I just think, you know, I looked at the App State loss, and the thing I, I took away from it was we're 0-2 against in-state opponents. They still haven't beaten an in-state opponent since NC State in 2015. That was the last time we've been in an in-state And that opponent. was one of the things that ultimately lost Larry Fedora's job yep. was not winning uh, the, the in-state games. Um, and also the thing I looked at was if, if this team was you know, going to be a bowl team, that was one of the games that you, you, you needed to win to kind of make your road easier. Right. Hey, and, we did the schedule breakdown. That was the second easiest game on the schedule. Yeah. That's what we came down to. Um, and look, and App State, look, App State's been good. And obviously this team's pretty good. They beat us. But this is an App State that Satterfield had a couple years ago that was winning 10 games with relative right, ease. Right, right. I know they went to Penn State last year, two years ago, and gave them a game. But this was a game that still Carolina should have won. And, you know. Some of it, some of it was coaching. Some of it was the players, and some of it was well. App State outplayed us, and we've got to figure out why we don't. We're not ready to play when the ball gets kicked off, because um, we outside of the Miami first quarter, we haven't been ready in any game. We weren't really ready in South Carolina. It was just I think that being the first game of the year kind of helped us because right, both teams right. were, were were nervous and on edge. Uh, Wake Forest, I don't know what the hell that was. We we got, you know, it just got, was not a good start. Well, you could say, okay, maybe having to play for the third time in, what, 20 days? That one day, it's not an excuse, these, these but kids, maybe that's these the kids only are thing young, to look at. You know, and I, swear, I told you after the game, we, I don't know what it is, because, you know, because if Mac Brown knew what it was, I think it would have been fixed. He tried. Right. He tried telling we're gonna play at one thirty. That didn't help. Well, I, yeah. so maybe start telling them that the game starts two hours later. They'll be ready to go. Right. I don't know. It's weird because you know. I, I guess you could say okay. They they definitely started the game better than they did against Wake Forest. Okay. They come out, run the opening kickoff back, score on the next play. So all of a sudden, it's like okay, maybe this team is gonna get off to a fast start. But you're right. Um, you know, I, I think. They've got to fix the problem, especially in these last two games. The reason that the Toriels have dropped both of these games is because, let's be really honest, this this those two games meant a lot more to those two schools than it meant to Carolina players. Which but is a problem. Mind, yes, you, that should not be what is happening. I mean, the fact that coming into the game on Saturday, there were fans saying, we need to make sure that we don't overlook this game for Clemson. 
Why? Why are we even in that mindset yet? This is a team that had won five games over the past two years, and we win a game against South Carolina and a game against Miami, and all of a sudden you think that it's okay to start overlooking opponents? I mean, I don't think that's what the football team is doing. I think it's just the fact that, look, this team is young. This team has a lot of injury issues, especially along the offensive line and the secondary. So, yeah, getting off to some of these slow starts is really hurting. And I think here's the other problem. I mean, you look at how every single game has gone so far this year. They've played four games, and they have had to come back in every fourth quarter. They have gotten themselves into those sort of bad habits where, okay, you know, we don't have to be overly aggressive early. We can kind of be conservative, keep ourselves in the game, and we can find a way to win. And look, what I just said right there, that's not only the players. It feels like the coaching staff is doing that too, where their mindset is let's keep ourselves in the game, not let's come out and take control of this game. Because let's be really honest, I mean, on paper, we were better than probably both of the, t the teams that we played in the last two weeks. I mean, Wake Forest, it's close. They've got some talent, especially on the offensive side of the ball. But if you look at just on paper, I would say we're the, mo we're the more talented team in both of those games. But we, I don't know, for some reason, it still looks like they're playing that, that game plan that we saw against South Carolina, which is stay in the game and give yourself a chance to win. You, you shouldn't be playing that way. So. And I, I told you after Miami, this isn't a recipe for extended success. Yeah. You're not going to yeah. – look, Sam Howell's good. I'm not asking a 19-year-old kid to win me games every week. I'm not. Yeah, I mean, and and, and that's right. what you. He now he's done a good job putting us in position all four weeks to have us a chance to win. Yes, which is all you can ask for. But this, it, it's not. I I don't want to play 12 games that way. Well, tell a 19-year-old, well, go. You're going to make us a play. Because chances are, if the kid's 19 or he, 20, because he, he's 22, he's not. He's not right. going to make the play every you week. You should never put your quarterback in that situation four straight games to start a season. And uh, you, you need to take pressure off of your quarterback at some point. And the injuries, yeah. But guess what? This is football. Oh yeah, kids are going to get hurt. Right. You. Step the hell up and make well, plays. Well, it's not the number of injuries. It's really more of who the injuries are to and where they're focused at. Because like I just said, the offensive line is hammered with injuries. They, With Charlie Heck being out on Saturday, the Toriel started one player, that's right, one guy who had a start prior to this season on the offensive line. Who was that? That was Jordan Tucker, who was listed as questionable the entire week with a knee injury of his own. So that's your real issue right there is that you don't have the experience and especially on the offensive line and in that secondary like like I talked about which we'll talk about here in just a second these guys are having to learn on the fly there's no okay well you know you've been able to adjust over the offseason we've been running you guys as the ones all offseason that hasn't happened I mean you got to look at you know let's look at the guys that were running with the ones for the entire offseason with Charlie Heck not playing on Saturday, there were only two of them. Tucker, we just talked about, and Edmond Tillis, who didn't even play the whole game. He was he kept getting rotated in and out with Billy Ross, which kind of makes me question whether that's because they feel that Montillis hasn't been performing that well, or is there an injury that we're not hearing about with him that he's fighting off and staying on the field? So I mean, that's the, the right now the offensive line to me is is really the one that's getting destroyed by by the injuries. I mean, you've already lost your two senior leaders, 
and the guy that you know we thought was going to take over a right tackle and is having a pretty solid year is having his own injury problems. In the secondary, I mean, you look, your best guy in the secondary all year is Miles Wolfolk. He's the only one that's creating any turnovers for your team because you still have not recovered a fumble so far this year in four games. He's got all three interceptions in the secondary, or, or no, excuse me, that's right, Miles don't have the interception against Wake Forest. But three of the four, and now he's out for what could be an extended period of time. I know that they said he's questionable for this Saturday. That is possible, but I'm going to be honest, he did not look good trying to get off the field on uh, Saturday night after the handshakes. He could barely walk on his right leg, so hopefully... Hopefully, you know, that, that gets better as the week progresses. Hopefully it's nothing too severe. But right now, I mean, this, this team is beat the hell up, especially on, on in those two units. And, I mean, I know it's not an excuse. There's guys that are going to have to step up. Cameron Kelly, DJ Ford are going to have to step up in the secondary. As for the offensive line, Joshua Zudu, Billy Ross, who we talked about, William Barnes, who is a guy that was a four-star recruit that just hasn't really panned out. Those are the names that are going to have to step up, but it doesn't help, especially for a team that's as young and especially as thin as this team is right now. Um, you know, let, let's talk a little bit about Howell because, you know, that's, I think, the only thing that we have kind of set in stone. I know there are some people that are probably a little worried about his performance on Saturday. I'm not overly concerned about it. Um, I mean, the screenplay interception, it looked like, I'm not entirely sure, it might have been tipped at the line of scrimmage. Um, even if it wasn't, it still wasn't a good throw to begin with. Um, didn't like the game planning from the offense to even throw a screenplay there. Um, and then his second interception was uh, probably the worst throw that we've seen from him this season, but came, of course, after the no-pass interference call that you know many thought De'Ami Brown should have gotten. Um, I mean, at this point, you know, he's he's definitely the, the guy going forward. I feel like there's definitely some things he's got to work on going through his progressions a little quicker because he's taking a lot of sacks, um, as well as, you know, protecting the ball a little bit more because, of course, the fumble that was returned for a touchdown was one of the big reasons why Carolina wasn't able to come back and win. But I mean, this this kid is you know that's that's one of the one that, that's one of the things that at this point you can't really criticize about this this team so far. Their their quarterback play they they've at least found that guy going forward for the next couple of years. Yeah, which I mean I think we left South Carolina thinking okay we have our quarterback and look, kind of like as the program the quarterback's going to take some lumps. Um, he's done a remarkable job through four games. He's right. got a nine to two touchdown interception ratio. I know he's fumbled it a couple of times. Got to work on that. But he's doing a lot with, like you said, a beat-up offensive line, a running game that has been inconsistent since the South Carolina game. One guy's been consistent, but um, he just doesn't get enough touches up until the other night. And also, I mean, it really feels like, you know, we, we, we left South Carolina, we're going to let him loose, and it doesn't feel like they're really wanting to let him loose. I, I'm at the point where I trust him where if we want to throw it 40 times, right. Let's sling the thing. Well, I mean, and he did throw it 40 times the other But that was the in the mindset because you were down 17. You yeah. had to start throwing the ball. The problem is is you you, you want to let him loose, but the offensive line that's there right now isn't going to allow him to be the quarterback that he wants to be. I mean, he's this is another thing that's, that's real, that is true about him, and it will adjust as time goes along. When he senses pressure, that ball goes down, and he's tucking and running. He, he's... It's rare that he keeps his eyes down the field, and hey, that makes sense because at the high school level, when he used to do that, he would 
I mean, no one was going to tackle him because he was a 225-pound quarterback playing in a conference in, you know, in Union County that, frankly, just wasn't all that great. So, um, I mean, I, I, I understand why you want to say let him loose. I just, the one thing that I'm kind of wondering, and we saw a little bit of it on Saturday, but I still don't feel like we've seen enough of it. What happened to those quick four, five-yard out routes, slant routes that we saw in that first game of the season against South Carolina that were meant to get the ball out quickly and let guys that you know can make plays in space, like Daz Newsome, like Toe Groves, like Deami Brown, what happened to those plays? Where have those gone? Because now it seems like those plays have turned into, okay, well, we're either going to try for these deep passes. Everybody's going deep. Howell's got to find enough time behind an offensive line that's not holding up. Or let's turn these into screen plays, and those haven't really worked all that well because, frankly, your wide receiving core isn't that great blocking in space. I don't understand what's what's changed here. I want to see those short, quick passes that not only open up the deeper passing game, it also seems to open up those running lanes a little bit because linebackers have to look and say, okay, I'm going to have to drop, you know, do I have to drop back into coverage to take away the middle of the field? Or, you know, am I coming up to stop the run here? I thought that was something they did so well against South Carolina, and they started using play action really well to kind of catch that linebacking core off guard, get them with a couple of false steps, allowing them to either hit the pass or run the football. That's that's gone out of this offense here since that game, and, and I don't know, I don't know how they got it. They they've got to find that once again. I mean, that's that's what I think, but. Um, I, I mean, you talked about the inconsistency in the running game. I mean, am I the only one that feels like there there is consistency? It's just that they have to settle on Javante Williams and stick with them because that that's their best option. Yeah, the, the, he's at the point now he should get the bulk of the carries. Yes. I get you got to spell him, and you, you got two really good change of pace backs. But this guy, I mean, he, he runs hard. He, he's not easy to take down. Um, he seems to be more decisive in terms of finding a hole yes. and hitting it. Yes. Um, Michael Carter showed that in the opener and has gone back to the old Michael Carter that wants to dance in the backfield and not go anywhere. That's a problem. So, yeah, um, we, we, we left Miami saying this is the guy that needs the ball. Mm-hmm. I mean, last week against uh, App State, 16 carries, 94 yards, almost six yards a pop. Um, that's that's pretty damn good. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm okay with riding him 20 to 25 times moving forward and just using Carter and Antonio Williams on third down or whatever. Yeah, I mean, Michael Carter can do some really good things out of the backfield. I, You know, I'm not afraid of putting him in, you know, if Javante Williams needs a, a breather, which is going to happen when you run a guy 20 to 25 times a game like we want to see. So, yeah, but I, I agree. To me, he, he's sort of taken over, in my mind, as the best running back on this roster. I think it's pretty evident, and I think they need to give him some more carries. Now, when you look on the defensive side of the ball, um, I mean, there's a couple of different things here. I think that the secondary is where it all starts because they've really struggled, partly due to injuries because you don't have Patrice Renee and now Miles Wolfolk. But really, I mean, you, you look at Miles Dorn is not – what we thought he was in coverage. He in the past couple of years, he can handle himself in coverage. This year, again, we saw it um, this past weekend against App State. He gets burned for the long pass that 
allowed App State to score and go back up by 10, which was ultimately the deciding touchdown. Um, and, you know, DJ Ford just lost in coverage at times. There was one time where the where, where his um, he was supposed to take the flat on the left side, left it completely wide open. The receiver caught it no problem and had the sideline to go. Didn't score a touchdown, but you could still see the staff was not happy with him, pulled him off the field, and he heard an earful on the sideline. Those are two of the guys that, that have really struggled. Greg Ross and, and uh, Trey Morrison, you know, they've had their ups and downs throughout the year. I think you know, they faced some pretty good receiving cores early on as well, especially against Wake Forest. But, you know, I think everything starts back there. I think at this point, you know, you look at the defense that we saw in the first two games of the year that was more aggressive, wanted to blitz a little bit more. That's kind of left with the fact that, you know, I feel like Jay Bateman doesn't trust his secondary to hold up on some of these blitz plays, and that aggressiveness has kind of left this defense. Yeah, and then also, you know, part of it is the coverage. Uh, they've really struggled tackling. Definitely, um, definitely. And that's and, the whole team. That I mean, that's linebackers, defensive linemen, sec- secondary. Everybody's had a tough And, and I, a lot of that is just more the fact that they haven't been taught good tackling techniques, so they've got to break and Bateman say that said that yesterday in his press conference. The tackling technique is 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 not right. We need to fix it. Yeah, um, that's been disappointing. Just because I mean, I thought if anything was going to be fixed this year or defensively, was that I at least thought we'd tackle better. So hopefully, the last eight games we improve in that that aspect. Right. Um, but yeah, coverage. You know, once we lost Renee, you know, yeah, it's right. Dorn has really struggled. Yes, um, definitely. And this was, like you said, this is a guy that we could hang our hand on these past couple years that was a pretty good coverage guy. This year, for whatever reason, just isn't the same kind of dude in coverage. Maybe he's had, look, you, you have bad years. Maybe that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been disappointing. But, uh, you know, the defense, I can't speak a whole lot because I, unfortunately, I get to watch App State. The first three weeks, they've been in a position to make plays and weren't making plays. Right. And which is somewhat encouraging, somewhat disappointing because you're not making that plays. But, hell, at least we were in position to make plays. And so I, we just got to be better whenever Bateman puts us in the right situation, tackle, finish, or whatever, you know, and, and then see. And then and that will start turning everything around. Then, right. Then it will be more trust of blitz and to get more aggressive. See, I, that's, that's the thing that's been maybe the most discouraging to me is the fact that, you know, we've been in position – to make the plays, but we haven't been able to correct the tackling. First game or two of the year, that's okay. The fact that it's still going on four games into the season, that's a little concerning. And I'm going to tell you, if you don't tackle on Saturday against Clemson, you will not be in the game for long. They will put you out of that game very quickly. So, you know, I, I again, there's there's some talent on this defense. Believe me when I say that. This group is, is going to be a good unit, you know, sometime here in the near future because the talent is there. It's just really about, you know, establishing that depth where when guys do have to come off the field, the guy that's coming in behind them, if there is drop-off, it's not much. But really the talent also has to be able to go out there and make those tackles in open space because, I mean, the yeah, we, we've been asking, okay, get to the football, have everybody get to the football, gang tackle, that just hasn't really happened. And guess what? In today's game, you know, the, the, the design is to space you out. So you have to be able to tackle in open space because you're going to be put in those one-on-one situations pretty often. But 
Um, you know, one of the other things I, I'd like to see come back, I know that, you know, it was helped by the fact that they were blitzing a little bit more. The defensive line has not been what it was the first two games of the season. It has definitely dropped off the production over the last two weeks. And you look, I mean, against a team in Wake Forest who is very pass-heavy this year, Jamie Newman was able to pick him apart relatively easily. And then Zach Thomas, really, I mean, you if you look at the, the passing yards yard numbers, 224 yards, one touchdown, you wouldn't be, you know, saying, okay, this kid played out of this world, but he made the throws when he had to because there wasn't much pressure on him the entire day. This defensive line has to get back to being able to put some pressure on the quarterback because it just hasn't been there since that Miami game. Yeah, and that was something that we, we left early in the year. That was a, a bright spot. Was yeah. more, And then there was more in the second half where like our defensive line was a little bit more fresher than the opponent's offensive line. Um, and like I said, the last couple weeks, that's kind of dropped, which kind of been discouraging because the offensive lines of Wake and App aren't as good as the offensive lines we saw with South Carolina and Miami. Exactly. Um, you got to think we are without Jason Strobridge the last two weeks. Who well, he played this week, but he wasn't the same. He he wasn't the same guy. You told me he didn't play. No, I told you he did play. No, Re okay. I said yes. Now, okay, now now we're going to argue played. because in the in the article I wrote for the Trench Report, I said we were without him because you said he did not play. He did play. That is, see now 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 okay, you're well, the, the now you're fired. Report article is not online. Just yet. Well, see now, so now you're you don't fired. Have to worry about that. But so corrected. you know, been without him at, at an effective rate. And look, Mac Brown has spoken at length. He's the best pro prospect the defensive line has, which is saying a lot considering Aaron Crawford is inside and he will go. And, I'm going to tell you, he will be a top three round pick. And, He's and, that good. And Aaron Crawford is healthy this year. Yes. And Saturday, seven tackles, six of them were solo. That's a man. I mean, he's the one guy that you can't you he, can't you know, He's had a great year. He's like, a man. He's, standing, uh, he's stepping up. Timon Fox was really good against Miami. Three sacks hasn't been the same guy since that game. Well, so three and a half sacks, first two games of the year hasn't had a sack since. So, so he's disappeared a little bit. They, yeah, they're they're still growing. And look, this is a new scheme that is as complex as you're probably going to find in, in in maybe college football outside of right maybe what Nick Saban and those guys do in Alabama. So. Because this, they're in a pro kind of system, so it's not. Yeah, yeah, um, it's, it's yeah, it's up there. Uh, and and they, they've got to learn how to handle success. And for success, right. is them is forcing back to back three and outs or forcing a turnover because they just haven't done it. And so they, they're they're still growing. And I mean, it's frustrating because we won the we won the first two games, and for us as fans, and we have, we've won five games in two years. You you feel like we're somewhat back. Then you lose these two games. So a lot of this frustration is just more because we just want to win games. No, you're right. And, I mean, you know, with the defense, it's it's starting to feel like, okay, are we getting back into some of those issues that we've had over the last couple of years? I don't think that's necessarily true. The thing that I think really, really stinks right now is all of the injuries have have kind of hurt this scheme a little bit. You can see that Bateman is having to be a little more conservative than he was in the first two games of the year. Here's here's the the simple fact. Bateman wants to be that aggressive guy that's going to blitz you 15, 20 times a game. That's going to get in your face. That hasn't been there. He has to be really strategic with blitzing because if it doesn't work, you're probably giving up a big play. Remember the first two games of the year, the team did not give up a play. I, I think it was maybe one or two plays over 20 yards 
in both of those games. Since then, that's that's not anywhere close to true. You can see that this is not the same defense. And, you know, the guy that I think is going to hurt this team the most defensively not being there, when we look back on this season, will be Patrice Rene. Because you look at the difference with him in the lineup and out, it's two totally different football teams. So, um, you know, I'll be interested. I don't want people to get too... And see, this is the thing. I know people are out there saying already, oh, Bateman, another one that his scheme ain't going to work. You know, this is just going to be another defensive coordinator that's going to come in. He'll be out within two years, and we'll be in the same place that we've been. you you got to give Bateman a little bit of time. Let him get his defense healthy, and let him get guys in that will fit his scheme, one, and can build depth, two, and then make your – then you can start to sort of – make your assumptions about what you think he's going to be going forward. I, I wouldn't give up on him four games in. I think he's still got a long way to go. I think he's a hell of a defensive coordinator. It took him time at Army to get that team where they were. It's going to take him time at Carolina to get them where they were. So um, any, anything else you really want to talk about uh, before before we head out with the, with the App State game uh, or where they're at You know, four games into the season? Uh, I mean, two and two is not bad. I had this right at this point in the year, three and one. Um, so we're you know still kind of on schedule. Um, hey, it's all right. If we beat Clemson this weekend, you're still right about yeah. win, about losing only one game. Yeah. Home, it'll just be App State. So I mean, uh, and, and um, pictures from the scene Saturday, pretty full capacity crowd in Keenan Stadium. Very good crowd um, once again. Now, yes. now App yes. State did travel some fans, but that was expected. Well, what do you expect? Their fans will be sitting in the Smith Center rooting on Carolina basketball when basketball season comes around, so they know where the stadium's at. It's not that hard. But, uh, so yeah, I mean, look, we're 2-2. Two and two. The the season isn't over. Um, if, I tweeted it after Wake Forest, and well, I'll say with it, if we know anything about this this team, they're going to play for 60 minutes. Or they're going to yeah. give us a 60-minute game. They may not play the whole time. Maybe they, they, they may only play 30, but they're going to have us entertained for 60 minutes. And that's all we can really ask for after what we've gone through under the end of the Larry Fedora era. So, still excited. Football season has been a lot of fun. Uh, let's try to let's try to go beat Clemson or at least not lose by 30. Well, there you go. If you do want any more on the App State game, of course, you can go online to HeelToughBlog.com. That's where we have all the coverage. We got the recap from the game, so that'll give you uh, the five things that we learned from the game. We got the stock report, which will tell you who's trending up, who's trending down. Um, also, there's another aspect in there, health. That is trending down. Read about all the injuries that we've got going on there as well. Uh, and then we'll have the trench report, which is going to come out right after we finish this podcast. We'll make sure that we get that posted for you guys as well. And then, of course, we'll start our uh, our, our Clemson preview. So that'll start. That'll come out on Friday morning. You'll have the podcast uh, that will come out on Friday morning as well, the preview of the Clemson game. So you guys can listen to that. We'll retweet it out uh, or retweet it, repost it on Saturday morning right before we get ready to roll up to Chapel Hill. So you guys can listen to that on your way to the stadium or during the 12 o'clock games if you really just don't find anything interesting so you can make sure that you're prepared 
when your butt hits that seat in Keenan Stadium on Saturday against Clemson. So, um, of course, we want you guys to rate, review, subscribe the podcast, subscribe to the podcast. You can do that on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn.com. Uh, you got Radio.com. There's so many different places that you can go to do all this stuff. Make sure that you guys go in there uh, and do that for us. We'd really appreciate that. Um, just you know, let us know where we can get better. Let us know if there's something that you want in the podcast that we uh, haven't had so far. Um, and we'll make sure that we get that in there for you guys. So, for Josh and for Anthony, uh, thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels!